have Longhorn live stream on Sunday night. Uh, after the Longhorns took care of business on Saturday against the BYU Cougars, I've got Rod Babers, former Longhorn, as well as Jerry Hamilton alongside here. Uh, we're going to talk a little football tonight, take some questions, uh, talk uh, a little recruiting maybe as well. Jerry wrote a story today about a new scholarship offer out for the University of Texas. Uh, but first, we're going to break down a little bit of this game, Rod Babers. Uh, you and I talked last night uh, at length, I think, about this. Uh, you know, any any second thoughts you're having today or, or the day after right now, Rod? Uh, no, actually, I mean, I, you know, it's kind of when you watch film, right? It's, uh, it's never as good as you thought. It's never as bad as you thought. Uh, I will say this time the defense looked better, better than I initially, uh, gave them credit for on the first initial watch of the game. There was just nothing BYU could do that worked consistently. They did. I mean, they, they made some sporadic plays every now and then a deep shot, you know, a, a nice third or fourth down play, on, on, you know, sometimes Texas with inexplicable technique that allowed them to, to complete some of those passes. But giving Texas defense a lot of credit that really BYU had no c- consistent theme to exploit. They just didn't. They were just searching something. They were searching the whole game. And I see why Sark made some of the moves, calls that he made. Even people get mad about not taking the points. You know, I, I criticize Sark for his, you know, feel of the game, sometimes lack thereof. Uh, I think he understood that BYU wasn't a real threat to score against his defense. Really, they may, you know, you know, put together some, you know, some good uh, a string of good plays. Hell, that nine was a nine minute drive or whatever it was. That was that was amazing. But when you go back and look at it, it was really like three third and fourth down, three money downs that they really got they completed against Texas. The rest of it was just trying to choke the choke the clock. Um, and I'll give the defense a lot more credit than I initially did on the rewatch. That was a that was a really suffocating game and game plan uh, on the part of the Texas defense. Offensively, you know, Texas offense, they just with a backup quarterback, it doesn't surprise me they struggle to really find what their identity was in that game. They also sporadically kind of made plays, but there wasn't no, there was no rhythm to the offense. There was no identity really to the offense. But that's okay. Right. You got a backup quarterback in there making his first start. That's understandable. And other guys made plays. But I told you guys they would get a non-offensive touchdown. Said that on Friday. Said they will get a non-offensive touchdown. That's how it goes when you're rallying the troops. They got a non-offensive touchdown from X-Men. So I I thought overall, I feel a whole lot better. I mean, how can you feel bad about a blowout win (laughs) over BYU? But I I feel even better about it because I thought it just seemed like they were in more control of the game, even when there were points of chaos and crisis. The fumble, you know, they had the interception. Even in those moments, it still felt like Texas had control of the game, mostly because their defense wouldn't let BYU get any air at all. They really did. Uh, the, the defense did that. The question, only question I had for Sark, you know, in, in play calling inside the red zone, I'm not a play caller. I've said this, you know, I, I can't sit here and say, oh, you should have done this. You should have done that. I mean, I'll leave that for someone like Brian Irwin, who I'll talk to tomorrow, the co- who's, who's oh, called yeah. plays before, right? So it, yep. it's hard to, to say that. I, I said in the post game, I thought at times Sark got a little too cute with his play calls. I'm pulling guys on the goal line. Even the, on the play side, that makes little sense. The 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 toss back that was going to be to to Xavier Worthy, I thought was a little unnecessary, given that they had run the ball down there to to get down there successfully, primarily. Um, but uh, generally speaking, um, 
I felt like they moved the ball fine, uh, not great. Uh, and uh, the only thing that I could really say, Sark, look, I, I, if I had a chance, what I would say is I think at least one of those times you should have kicked the field goal to make sure you got a three-score lead. Because while I agree that uh, with you, Rod, that they are better, they were a better, clearly a better team, and they couldn't do much. BYU could have hit one big play on offense because it, you always can have breakdowns. They hit one big play, in in in, in fact, uh, for a, a big play over Derek yep. Williams and uh, uh, yep. Gavin Holmes. Yep. They could have hit one big play on offense, and then Malik Murphy could have turned it over in a bad way. And and that's a two-score game. I was I thought that he should have at one point when he had the ball down there inside the five, uh, at least kicked one of those field goals to give him a three point or right, three score okay. lead. Okay. Beyond that, guys, I mean, look, we're picking nits as it is. Jerry, uh, you're you're uh, we talked a little bit earlier today. Your thoughts uh, at this point on on all of this? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is uh, um, the reality is uh, you know seven and one. Uh, I think rank rank. Seven in the country, six. I, I, I haven't uh, one of those two, depending on the polls, right? Um, and somebody's asked about recruits' reaction. There weren't a lot of recruit reaction from this game. Nothing negative. I mean, Texas wins, great facilities. They offered the top 2026 to E. Kim. Your, to answer your question, uh, yes, John Turntine is better than any 2025 offensive lineman in the country that I've seen, in my opinion. And I think college coaches agree with that. Ohio State will offer next. It's just going to – everybody in America is going to offer this kid, literally everybody uh, that watches him or sees him. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't um, – I get – here's the other thing, though. BYU is not a good team. That was the worst 5-2 and two team in America coming in, and they left the worst 5-3 and three team in America. When you can't muster up 300 yards of offense in four straight Big 12 games, you are not a good football team, period. Period. That's hard to do. Hard to do. Imagine not getting 300 yards four weeks in a row in the Big 12 who's not very good on defense. I mean, that's you're not a good team. Let's be real. Uh, Texas has to play a much higher level football. I think they will come out ready Saturday. Um, look, I mean, they've had two big, huge games this season already. They're one and one in those games. They are. They could argue we should have beat Oklahoma. Scoreboard matters. Should have beat them. Didn't play as well as we could. Um, now Kansas State, I think, is uh, – I, I'm a little different than Kansas State on some people. I think there's – a. <clears throat> Uh, some doom and gloom with Texas fans. Kansas State's pretty small at their three-man defensive front. Now, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested. I think Texas is going to run the ball successfully against Kansas State because even U of H did, despite getting blown out. Uh, there, some teams have run on them this year, and I don't think any of those teams have had the running attack Texas has. Uh, uh, you know, with Jonathan Brooks, with Cedric Baxter with an offensive line that's a year older. I know the blocking on the goal line. But <clears throat> I'm not sure Texas doesn't match up pretty well with Kansas State in a couple in a couple of ways. I think the biggest thing with Kansas State for me looking ahead is their interior, their offensive line. If they negate Texas' strength, where's Texas going to get it from on the defensive side of the football? That, yeah, that's I, my question. <clears throat> and part of that is this question, right, is talking about – What's the health of the team right now? Uh, Freelance Society asked for an injury update. It's not just Quinn Ewers and Jalen Catalan who have been out for multiple games. Yeah. Now we did not see Ethan Burke last week or against BYU. Probably we don't know for sure whether they're going to see him this week against uh, K State. 
the injuries, while they've tampered down, or uh, I don't even want to, they've calmed down a little bit. You still have two starters out, possibly a third with with Ethan Burke. Um, I just, I feel like they're okay, but they're not great right now. And so injuries are a real concern at this time of the year. Yes, they have done a good job of uh, kind of uh, getting back and healthy, and they beat the, you know, what out of, uh, BYU, but to Jerry's point, uh, here comes a different animal uh, in uh, Kansas State. Uh, the defending Big 12 champs, by the way. And at least I'll say this on defense, and we've criticized Sark and PK on defense for rotating a lot of guys, and we get that. You got to rotate some guys, uh, but this is what it actually pays off for you because now they're rotating guys who've got experience who now you're dealing with a lot of injuries and on, on the defensive side of the ball, guys getting nicked up. And these guys coming in they aren't totally green. They have some experience. They played a little bit. And I think now that rotation of guys you've been playing all year long, even though it's led to maybe some uh, mistakes, miss, you know, I mean, some guys making mental errors because they're young and inexperienced and growing pains. Uh, now that may pay off for you because you've got a lot of guys who may be considered veterans who are now uh, getting some playing time or having to get playing time. Hey, guys, I want to uh, start off uh, from some comments uh, from uh, uh, the uh, – Folks in the chat, uh, fellow Longhorns, uh, Jay, the activist. It's not the play calling. It's the blocking, in my, my opinion. And then Lou Namakazi, this is kind of one of those other things. Why do you guys think we have a right guard rotation? Because Cole Hudson did play uh, and not a left guard rotation. Does Neto not have the same upside as DJ Campbell? Or is Cole Hudson not as good as Kate Hayden Connor? Or is DJ Campbell not as good as Hayden Connor? Uh, I think that Hayden Connor has a lot of experience on both of those guys, right? Comparatively. Uh, but, uh, you know, is it the blocking? Is it the scheme? What What do y'all think it is on short yardage, Rod? I'll let you start. Um, I think it's multifactorial. It can't be just one thing. Uh, I think the interior offensive line blocking is probably the main culprit. Uh, the play calling, as we've talked about also, it's so inconsistent. It's uh, that Sark definitely de deals with some um, play calling insecurity. It's probably the best way I can call it. Uh, best way I can describe it when you get down there close to the goal line. He's not sure exactly what he wants to be. Uh, you want to go jumbo package. Uh, do you want to spread things out? I think the red cat now is probably going to become more of a focus on those short yardage situations. Uh, and he tried it in this game, right? That, that's what he tried uh, to do more and more of us that short yardage red cat, which does work. I mean, it's it's been pretty effective uh, trying to get those short yardage opportunities, trying to convert on those. So uh, I think Sark right now is still, unfortunately, even at the past the half point way in the season, still troubleshooting, trying to figure out who they are in the red zone and who they are on short yardage. And the truth is they're, they're mediocre to below average and bad in both red, red zone offense and short yardage goal line situations. It just, it, it, there's no way at this point that the numbers are what they are and the film doesn't lie. And I will admit it's perplexing. I don't get it to have the biggest offensive line and the, the, the most massive offensive line in the conference and still not be able to play bully ball when you want to. That's got to be a disappointment for Sark because I know that's something that he takes. It's a point of pride for him. I got some somebody uh, inside Texas uh, uh, person sent this to me today. Uh, the run game for Texas right now and its lack of consistency. We talk about it being good, but here, here's, a, here's a fact, and you tell me what you think of this, Rod. 34 called runs from the Longhorns. Seven gained either zero yards or lost yardage. 
So seven of 34, zero yards or lost yards. 12 runs gained two yards or less. Okay. So that means 19 of 34 gained two yards or less. That's not a consistent run game, right? 15, 15 yards went for more than 15 plays went for. Now they broke some big ones. Don't get me wrong. But largely speaking, that's an inconsistent run game. That's that that's that's bolstered somewhat in in stats by big plays off of the run game, right? Yeah, and I will say, um, just for the sake of that, a lot of those came late in the game when the game was sealed already, and then they were just trying to seal the game. Go watch uh, when they went late because I was tracking the six zero line package and I was getting upset because they were running that six zero line package late in the game, and they had like three plays in a row where they lost yardage, and I was like, "Come on, guys." Like, what are we doing here? We're trying to seal the game and they, you know, making my 6-0 line package look bad out there. My point is, so some of those plays were just, they were kind of throwaway plays for them when the game was well in hand. And right, but, but Jaden Blue makes up for that when Jaden Blue breaks the big 34-yard run when he gets out there. So yeah, it's, I'm with you. I, I, I do think it's inconsistent. It's definitely, when you can't run the ball when you, when you have to and when you want to, that is a concern. And that's what Texas in the red zone and in short yardage situations and held even in that, you know, the, the late in the Oklahoma game, right? That five minute drill they want. That's when you want to be able to close teams out with your running game. And that's what Sark wants to do. He wants to be able to close teams out, finish them with the running game. Um, right now, I'm not sure you can do that. I'm not sure that you're confident you can do that without, like you said, having a, a play that sets you back and puts you behind the chains. And, you know, considering how good Jonathan Brooks is, considering how good the offensive line has been with guys like Christian Jones and Kelvin Banks, I'm with you. That's uh, it's perplexing. I can't figure it out. Neither can Sark. It's it's kind of just nuts. Uh, just cons- consistency has been lacking. All right. Uh, on Texas football, the Sunday night live stream brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Uh, Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communication, business development and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business with decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House. Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn to learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www.crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate uh, their sponsorship of the Sunday night live stream. Jerry, going to get a couple questions to you here. Uh, people want to know if there's anything shaking right now uh, in recruiting, or are we kind of in this, I don't want to say it's a lull, but a more deliberate pace as we head towards signing day, the early signing day, which comes in mid-December. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more deliberate right now, um, slower pace. Look, I think that's what's that's what happens when you're really battling a lot of guy for guys committed elsewhere. You know, does TJ Lindsay show up next weekend? We'll see. Uh, Xavier Phil same did not make it in Saturday. A lot of those DFW delays. His dad had some work stuff Saturday. Um, Texas is going to play a long game with these guys. Wardell Mack, you know, DeAndre Carter. That one's dragged out longer than expected, which probably is good for Auburn right now. Um, we'll see see what happens at the end of the day. That means Auburn's really uh, battling uh, to keep DeAndre in the class. Uh, Solomon Williams will be at the Alabama-LSU game this weekend or scheduled to be, let's say. Though, a lot of those recruitments, though, are two guys committed to Florida, two guys committed to Auburn. You're sitting there, you're going to try on Ty Anthony Smith. You can keep trying on uh, Justin Williams' long, long shot. 
so a lot of those recruitments are going to play out a while. Um, Solomon Williams, as far as uncommitted guys, could come off the board here in the next two or three weeks, possibly. Um, so we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, but, you know, it, I think it's a lot of real recruiting battles here at the end. Texas has the guys they want to battle on, and and those battles are going to go on. I mean, just look at the case of T.J. Lindsey. Miami's also trying to get on, on campus. He told me he'll be at the Iron Bowl uh, for the Auburn-Alabama game at the end of November. So that recruitment's going to go into December. Got it. Uh, Jerry, what about uh, someone like Kobe Black? You know, I, we, we, we've talked about him a lot, the, the cornerback out of Waco Connolly. Uh, where is he at in this process? And do we know when he's talking about actually making a, a, a selection of a school? And other than Texas, what other teams are really involved? Yeah, I think Texas leads everybody pretty big here. Um, and I think the uh, the interesting thing will be, look, last regular season high school football games this week, how long does it go after that? Um, you get into the playoffs. Are you just going to wait until the end of your season? Is that what maybe uh, somebody on that coaching staff at Waco Connolly prefers uh, since you're late in the season at this point, I don't think he'll go to December, but he has made it farther than we thought. We didn't think Ryan Wingo would go to December, and he didn't end up making it December. So I think Kobe Black's in a, uh, Texas is a really good spot for Kobe Black, and I'll, I'll be surprised still if he if if he announces on signing day. I think it'll happen before that. Uh, thanks, Jerry. I appreciate it. Uh, Rod, going to ask you this question. A lot of people are asking about the secondary, in particular, Michael Taft. Mm-hmm. We. I had mentioned this on Friday on our live stream that we felt like Michael Taft was going to start to get more time in the secondary. We also said Derek Williams would. Uh, both did. Uh, yep. Both saw extensive time. Uh, the play snap count of Jaron Thompson is diminishing uh, by the week right now. Uh, the senior out of Lufkin just not having as good a senior year as he did perhaps his junior year. Not sure quite why at this point, but uh, Derek Williams and Michael Taft saw a lot of time Keaton Crawford uh maybe getting mm-hmm. slightly better he jumped a route uh couldn't yeah. corral the ball yeah, the ball but <laughs> jump a route uh which is not you know we're looking for improvement incremental improvement is what it's all about it at some level uh but Ryan Watts joined the group uh came back last uh, against uh, BYU as well what yeah, are your yeah. thoughts on the safety situation in the secondary as a whole was that more of what we saw that BYU is just not very good passing the ball or were there were there actual improvements there? Uh, I, I think Jerry's right. First of all, BYU doesn't present the same threat on the outside. Teams like U of H and Oklahoma, just with the athleticism of the wide receiving core. Uh, also, I mean, they tried early on some of the same things that hurt Texas versus U of H. They tried the, the dragging routes and the crossing routes, the mesh concept. Uh, you saw Anthony Hill make a really nice play on it. You saw guys dropping back in coverage. That is also because Keaton Slovis doesn't uh, present the same threat as a runner, so he doesn't put the second level of the defense in conflict. Shout out to my man Jerry, because he said Jalen Ford was going to have a hell of a day because of that lack of conflict. Exactly what happened. Jalen Ford had hell of a day. Probably his best game since he's been there. So it really comes down to the fact that BYU, uh, you know, Texas matches up well with them defensively, right? Fights are all about, you know, styles and Texas defensively without having to worry about a dual threat quarterback, without having to worry about dynamic playmakers with speed on the outside. You know, BYU's receivers are fast. I mean, sorry, big receivers, not fast receivers. You know, they're all about being possession guys. You saw them make some plays like that, actually, in the game versus Texas, right? Just go up and get 50-50 balls. Uh, Texas matches up pretty well with those guys. They can run with them. They'll never beat 
Uh, they just made, you know, a guy may make a great play, but they never beat. But those speed guys, they made these to get behind Texas or in the open field. They're just hard for Texas defensive back sometimes to make plays on them. So next week, I don't even know if K-State actually presents that same exact combination of factors because they don't have the speed on the outside, really, with a lot of their guys. They got some good quality players. I'm not hating on those guys. But uh, Oklahoma and I think U of H were different. And with the dual threat quarterback now, K-State may have the best set of dual threat quarterbacks that Texas will face all year long. They got two of them. So that's a different issue altogether. And that will put that second level of defense in a lot of conflict. So I, I think it's a combination and probably most of it BYU, just not very good offensively. But I know the Texas defenders worked on it. Ryan Watts coming back made a huge difference. Go watch. He's one of the only guys that plays down at the line of scrimmage consistently. He will play press. He'll play press even when he's playing zone. And then watch him. He'll play press and then he'll just kind of back up and then start playing zone coverage because he seems more, most comfortable down there close to the line of scrimmage where he can really be in great run support, even in zone, and go down and get his hands on the receivers. So that made a difference. Also, I thought even though in the fourth down, fourth and two, that Gavin Holmes was playing outside leverage and playing eight yards off. I understand that, and people are upset about it. I get it. <laughs> and that's right. That's that I don't understand what he was doing, and that didn't make sense because the technique didn't line up with the coverage. But for the most part, I thought the guys were playing more inside leverage. Go even watch when Keen Crawford, that PBU you brought up, Bobby. He's playing inside leverage, and he doesn't when he's off. He doesn't necessarily bail out. He's not given more cushion. He he's like the three or four shuffle steps, and then he breaks to the out route. Right, the DBs have to start playing more aggressive and sitting on routes more. And even if you're gonna, even if you're gonna backpedal out, even if you're gonna shuffle out, it's got to be a slower shuffle, so that you can break on some of those routes a little bit better and and play more inside leverage. I thought I saw them playing more inside leverage too, for the most part, than they did in that U of H game. Uh, I, you mentioned uh, K State uh, Rod as well, and what they do and and those quarterbacks that they have. Uh, we don't know if they're going to play both quarterbacks. Some people have been asking that. Yeah. Uh, Avery Johnson, their backup or their second string quarterback that has uh, really run the ball well, uh, as well as passed it well. He may be, he's the heir apparent there. They've got him in some action. He actually turned the ball over a couple of times yeah. on Saturday. He and didn't so he play did as not, much in the game. Yeah. yeah. So he did not play much in that 41 point win uh, by K State over the University of Houston. Uh, so we don't know how much he plans to, they'll plan to play him. Uh, my guess, if Texas can't defend the running quarterback, they're going to play him a lot. You're going to see. If they him. can, they're going to stick with Will Howard most likely, uh, and they'll get we'll get a feel for that as the game wears on. Uh, one of those factors, though, Jerry, and this is a good question: uh, that K State working man, K State is a different team on the road. K State six and two on the year, both losses away from Manhattan, losing to to Missouri and losing to Oklahoma State. What are your thoughts on them being different? And does that affect play calling for them, in your opinion? Well, I, I don't know about play calling, but here's the thing. They, they've they lost on the road in different ways. Against Missouri, they, the replacements in the secondary, which they lost some good players last year, got roasted. Mm -hmm. I mean, Missouri had 360 yards pass and still had to hit a 61-yard field goal, by the way, to win the game. Oklahoma State got my attention, though, because obviously Mike Gundy was left for dead at that point. And, uh, Hey, here he is playing Oklahoma for to get in the driver's seat to play in the Big 12 championship game. But Oklahoma State rushed 40 times for 189 yards, but it's more than that. The uh, 26 rushes for 156 for their two tailbacks. Ollie Gordon's a future NFL running back, but 
you can run on Kansas State's three-man front. I, I will say that they are one and two on the road. Their one win came. Uh, sorry, their uh, their they two, two losses came um, at Missouri and at Oklahoma State. Their one win came at uh, in Lubbock, by the way. Who who doesn't beat uh, Texas Tech in Lubbock right now? I guess maybe TCU. We'll find out if they can. Uh, but uh, I, I just I think I, guys, I, I watched the U of H some of the U of H game today, and I, and I'll tell you this. I know it's going to be easy to see, Rod, guys, when y'all start watching this, what Kansas State's going to do against Texas. They threw to number eight Brooks. They worked against Malik Fleming, the U of H safety, post, post, corner. Mm-hmm. I, I, I caught three on that game tape, on that condensed game tape, uh, that were big completions there. Uh, the interesting thing for me, uh, by the way, if a Kansas State guard pulls, whoever, whoever, whatever Texas player is coming up to fill, have your chin strap buckled, have your mouthpiece in, it's going to be a collision. I, well, that I can tell you after watching them against Houston. They even pulled BB on the one yard line going in the score twice. Oh. And he's an interesting guy because I don't, he's not like a skinny ankle athlete guy. He's not a guy you look at. He moves better than you think. But look, Kansas State's going to, I, I think it's going to be so interesting, but they're going to – you know how they're going to try to attack Texas, Rod. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what they're going to do. They're going to try to get Jalen Ford in conflict, and they're yep. going to try to test those safeties down the field. Um, and somebody said, how can Kansas State win? What can Texas do to stop it? If I'm Kansas State and PK plays bend, don't break defense, you're just going to try to choke out the clock like Wyoming did with better players and running quarterbacks. Yeah, yep. that is exactly what you're going to do if you're Kansas State. Yep, the running quarterback is key because if they basically can keep those linebackers occupied, keep their eyes occupied, and keep them in conflicts, that means you're going to have potentially those defensive backs more on islands. And then if they don't protect the inside leverage, it's all connected, right? They don't protect the inside leverage. It's going to be wide open for some of those crossing and dragging routes open. And you're right, those safeties will be tested. All right, they're going to be tested consistently with those deep shots downfield, whether it be a post, post corner, or just a slot fade. Um, so the, the the blueprint is out. Texas knows what the blueprint is. They know how they'll be exploited and attacked. How will they counter it? That's going to be, I think, the recipe. I love the the package Texas had in the uh, the game versus BYU, where they had, and most of the time they ran on third down. It was Anthony Hill. Uh, they have Mo Blackwell, Jalen Ford, Sweat. Murphy Sorrell, I believe. And that's most of the time. I'm sure they later on in the in the game they had some different combination, but that was their money combo. And then of course your DBs, I was JD Barron, whoever your safeties were. I, that could work really well against these dual threat quarterbacks that can move around because you want you want two malleable pieces. Anthony Hill and Mo Blackwell represent that that you can move around the chessboard because you want to have to force a Will Howard or an Avery Johnson to have to be able to identify who's going to be the spy, who's going to be rushing me, who's going to be blitzing me. And that's why I think you're starting to see more Anthony Hill on the field too. They have to have somebody that can come off the edge and wreak havoc, close some of these plays. That's what Anthony Hill represents. And you can flush a quarterback from the pocket like a dual threat and almost isolate them to one part of the field and having them, instead of having to defend the whole field with a spy, sometimes you can have that guy kind of, flush them from the pocket from one side or the other. So I think they may have been testing it. I watch out for that in the uh, game versus K-State. I think they may have been testing that as one of their, you know, uh, antidotes and one of their ways to conceptually combat and counter K-State. I, I got to say this while y'all were talking there. Um, look, 
K-State is on a roll right now. Yeah, they are. They they beat uh they beat uh TCU 41 to 3 and then they beat Houston 41 to nothing. That's their last two games. Okay? Texas has only scored 40 points how many times this year? How many times? Once. Okay. They did it twice in a row. They're on they're on a roll right now. Period. Yeah. Um and so Texas is going to get all it can handle on offense in my opinion. Uh the, K-State does a great job running the ball. They've got a functional passing game. Uh, Jerry mentioned Phillip Brooks, or, or Rod did, uh, as the kind of the, the guy that can beat, beat you downfield. Uh, they've also got two good running backs, Treshawn Ward and uh, DJ Giddens. Um, I just feel like they're, they're a good football team and may right now be the best team in the Big 12. K-State may be the best team in the Big 12 again, it, because their offense right now is so good. Uh, and Texas, without Quinn Ewers, is going to have problems scoring points against just about anybody. Uh, Texas mm-hmm. had a bunch of short fields uh, against uh, BYU, and that's one of the reasons Longhorn scored as much as they did, along with Xavier Worthy's punt return. Uh, and K-State is a better defense than BYU. So let's keep all of this in mind. Uh, what do you all make? I, I, I got to ask you guys this. What do you all make? of Quinn Ewers and his injury right now. Is it even humanly possible that he's back this week in, in y'all's opinion? If he is, he's not going to be the quarterback you need him to be to take over that game and to build a game plan around to beat, you know, K-State. He just can't. Like, that, that's too severe, uh, too big of an injury, Ron. I, I think so, but I, you know, I could be wrong. Hey, I don't want to, you know, disrespect the man, but uh, you know, I, I think he'd be limited and you don't want to be limited against K-State. Uh, and I think, like you just said, for K State, the thing is they've had flaws, you know, obviously like everybody, but they get they've gotten better kind of week to week as the season goes on. That's what K State does under all their coaches. They've gotten better week to week. And for Texas, we know the Texas, the ceiling for Texas is higher. But is Texas improving week to week? Is this something that's happening? That's I think going to be the the, the grade here. You know, really going to be um, the really determining factor whether Texas can beat K State and their favorite, of course. But K-State, like you said, is hot. They got a lot of momentum on their side, and they match up well with Texas defensively just because of the quarterbacks and what they can do. Um, I, so I, go, I, think, I think one thing, I think honestly the thing it will come down to, the reason Texas lost the Oklahoma game, same reason if they lose the K-State game, will be because of red zone offense. Honestly, it's yeah. just that simple. I, I want to say something here. I'm going to read you all the rankings defensively that Kansas State's gone up against, because I do think this is interesting for Saturday. Um, UCF, 107. Oklahoma State, 99. Um, I mean, they've played bad teams defensively now on their run. TCU's ranked 79 in the country. They literally haven't played against a good – Oklahoma State, not good. They literally haven't played against a good defense yet this season. I mean, that is one thing for Kansas State. They, they will have not played against a defense like Texas all season until 11.07 a.m. in Austin. So how are they going to react to that? I think that's going to be interesting to see. All right. Hey, guys, this is going to take some super chats real quick here. This one from Shook Ones. RPO slants in the red zone or cash. Look good to me on Saturday with yeah. uh, uh, Adonai Mitchell. Uh, so frustrating not utilizing – Two NFL wide receivers even more down there. I think three or four of ADs are TDs are RPO slants. Rod or Jerry, y'all, 
Rod, one of the things that you've talked about is actually spreading people out closer to the goal line yeah, and possibly creating some run, running lanes that way. Uh, is this possible? I, I mean, can you do that with the, it seems like you're not going to do it on the one yard line per se, but what, what do you think? Yeah. And the, um, the touchdown they called miss game down there, uh, close to red zone. I got to go check and see if it was even an RPO. It might've been straight drop back guys. It might've been just straight drop back. And they ran a slant seven route combo. I believe, uh, Xavier worthy was the number two inside receiver runs the seven route. And then AD Mitchell runs that slant. And yet yeah, it, it was put on the money, but still the same point that shook was just trying to make. Cause we've seen AD Mitchell with that RPO down there with Quinn and we've seen it wide open before. I don't disagree with you. Uh, we talked about this with Sark. If you go look at um, pro, pro Football Focus, they measure uh, width of formations. Um, and Sark has some of the top 10 most condensed, uh, most compressed formations in college football because he just he likes to create space on the outside by condensing formations. Also bringing DBs to have to come in and run support. DBs are bad at that. And that's how you break a lot of those big runs from those condensed compressed sets and you get your wide receivers in on the run blocking. But down on the goal line or down the red zone where the space is already condensed and restricted, uh, think about maybe creating space all right, by spreading things out a little bit. And I think you can do that and run the RPOs that's why I like throwing that 6-0 line package out there, tag it with an RPO. You get your run game, your power run game, and you get a little bit of a spread element in there. And if I'm not mistaken, the they've scored with eight touchdowns on offense the last two games. Four of them have been in that Big 12 package, and I believe three of those have been in the red zone. Just throwing it out there. Just so what, what Rod's saying. saying essentially is if Texas came out in a spread formation with a little bit wider splits and Savion Red as Red Cat quarterback empty on the three-yard line, K-State would immediately have to call timeout because they wouldn't have seen it again. So <laughs> you have to make it burn a timeout if you want Saturday. Because yeah, they'd no. call timeout immediately. They wouldn't know what to do. Hold on, hold on, not on tape. Can't let them walk it in timeout. I agree with that. You can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Jared, let's stay with you. <laughs> let's stay with you real quick. Brandon Ralston, do we have any highs? And if so, how many? Uh, Jerry, this is a reference to what you do on InsideTexas.com. Uh, hi, in, in Jerry's parlance, is a, a silent commitment. At this point, do the Longhorns have any more? Yes. Okay. Ooh. Not going to say how many or, or who, uh, no. but uh, Jerry, Jerry tends I'm, to do I'm not that. Tossing out Halloween candy on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> hey, this one's from Freelance Society. With OU losing to Kansas, Texas can't afford to lose another game to get in the Big 12 championship. Can see many teams with the same conference record. I got to say this. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the teams in the Big 12 championships has in, in the Big 12 championship has two losses. And I'll say mm -hmm. why right now. All six teams that's the that have one loss play one another this weekend. The top six teams are going at it. So this race is about to it's about to take shape this weekend, guys. And don't forget Kansas and K-State also play one another. Yes. Oh man. So you still and they both got one loss. Texas has one loss, obviously. OU has one loss. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, yeah. Oklahoma State and Iowa State have one loss. So it's possible that a team with two losses gets in the Big 12 championship game. How and who might it be and who holds all of the uh tiebreakers and whatnot? I don't know, but I that would not surprise me 
if another one got in there. Hey, by, by the way, Kansas State ends their regular season at Kansas and Iowa State at home. I mean, that look, I mean, I, I don't know who's going to get the Big 12 Coach of the Year, but I, I, I'll tell you right now, if Matt Campbell wins again Saturday, he's probably the leader in the clubhouse somehow, some way. I mean, I don't even know what to say at this point about <laughs> them. Uh, but, I mean, Kansas is at uh, – so the games this weekend, guys, for everybody on the chat, Oklahoma's at Oklahoma State. We know Gundy doesn't beat OU, but yeah. we'll see this week. Final yeah. one. This is this is the final one. Final one. What's Danny Stutzman's injury? What, what's his availability? Um, is something up with Dylan Gabriel, or was it just small hands and cold weather and rain? We're going to find out. Then, <laughs> obviously, Kansas State's at Texas. Um, and then you have Kansas at Iowa State. Kansas coming off the big win, probably the best defense as far as execution in, in the conference is Iowa State, even though Oklahoma blew them up. That was a road game. So um, if Oklahoma... Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Oklahoma loses this weekend. This thing gets very interesting to me. Mm. I agree. Uh, because you don't know where they'll fall to uh, or if it's just a two-week two uh, issue. All right, menu two here. sports. Uh, K-State changed their offensive identity after Will Howard's three INTs versus Oklahoma State. He did turn it over that night. They were about a 50-50 run, uh, run versus pass team at that point. Turned around and ran 70% against Tech. That hasn't changed the last two weeks against Texas Tech, or excuse me, against TCU or Houston either, guys. They were, they've been more uh, uh, productive via the pass of late. Yeah, but really they are focusing on the run game. They've got two good running backs and two good running quarterbacks, Rod. Yeah, see, that's the thing that they have. Because I, you know, I remember when watching Will Howard, you know, as a like a freshman early on, I used to call him Will Spill the Peel Howard because he would he was careless with the football. He would turn it over all the time, just making crazy, just erratic plays. And then he started to settle down. He started to see more of that upside, develop a baseline, and he turned to kind of Will the Thrill Howard, right, making a lot of plays. But this season, we've seen both. Sometimes he's will spill the pill. Sometimes he's will to thrill. And having Avery Johnson there really helps because they have an insurance policy in case he's having a meltdown. But also, like the person in the chat just said, they have essentially have reduced the risk in his game. And now you keep the high reward but reduce the risk. So now you've got the high reward but the low risk factor for Will Howard because you're running the football so much more. And, yeah, now I mean, you got to give Colin Klein a lot of credit. For what he's done with that offense. That offense is pretty impressive. They don't have a lot of dynamic playmakers. They don't they have, have receiver team. talent that just – they don't have what U of H does at wideout. They don't. No. They make it work. They run the football. And I think against Texas, they'll know how to put enough players in conflict. That's going to be the key. And you're going to see Texas players, especially on the back end, they're going to hold up because I think they're going to be put in a man situation a lot of the time versus K-State. And you I should hope. be able to win. But if you don't, that could be trouble. Texas is going to have to choose their poison. Yep. And and ride or die. That's my opinion. Cross them up every couple of times. But the Texas defensive Pete Kwiatkowski, 
who is not necessarily does not like to to necessarily make uh, those kind of calls. Uh, may just have to do that. Hey, I uh, want to say thanks again to our sponsor, uh, the Sunday Night Live Stream, brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www.crossoakgroup.com. All right, let's get back to some more questions and uh, answer some of these things. Here's one for you, Jerry Jerry Hamilton, uh, right here. Jaden Blue is RB2, according to Nigel Robinson. Hmm. Now, look, I mean, it, it, it's not it, – Good player, good space player. Got if you can get him to the edge, he can make big plays. As far as the Texas scheme, what they're doing in the run game, not really a fit for that is the issue. Not that, not for inside zone, that's not for sure. For inside zone, that's the issue there. I will say this, and I said this last week, and Sark, I don't know, he went he went past what I thought he was gonna do. Remember, I said Sark's gonna start playing more multi-back sets, right? More of that pony package. 21 personnel hell he went to 31 personnel <laughs> yeah he ran the diamond he went, right? yeah, yeah exactly and i was like whoa okay all right well i i do think Jaden blue's got a chance to crack that personnel grouping right the 21 per when he puts that 21 personnel group out there a lot of times he likes uh keelan robinson out there in that package um he'll sometimes he'll put cj baxter jonathan brooks together uh in that uh 31 personnel grouping it was savion red Keelan Robinson um, and CJ Baxter. I think in terms of when Sark gets creative and wants to put multi-back sets out there, I do think Jaden Blue's got a chance to crack. Because like you said, Jerry, great in space. And when Sark puts multiple backs out there, he's using multiple tailbacks. He's usually just trying to create space. Very rarely do you actually see him run the football with a power running game right. when he puts all those backs on the field. It's usually just an illusion <laughs> to get the defense in a 40 personnel and then to find a, a real quick matchup. Um, and I, I think Jaden Blue will be really great in one, in one of those packages. I really do. I think he might have earned it too. Uh, we'll see if Sark thinks so. I, I will say this. Uh, so that, that three back personnel you talked about, it caught BYU off guard. Yeah, it did. Um, no, no doubt. Keelan Robinson, it gave him a chance to, to, to play a little bit, and he did something with it. I think that, that Texas needs to do stuff like that more often, just like I was talking about the Red Cat, using it not just on short yardage. And they did that. They got it down to the two-yard line and then went away from it, right, or yeah. one-and-a-half-yard line. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hey, Embrus, uh, this uh, question real quick. Yes, he has uh, asked Savion thrown from the Red Oklahoma. Cat. Yes, he has. He did against OU, Oklahoma. correct, uh, mm-hmm. as uh, Rod's nodding his head yeah. there against Oklahoma to Gunner Helm. Uh, who made a nice play. And uh, remember, he almost fumbled that ball, but did not fumble uh, as well. Uh, Trevor Phillips, guys, has this question. Is Avery Johnson, that freshman uh, quarterback we talked about uh, from uh, Kansas State, the compliment to to, uh, Will Howard, is he a significant passing threat? I wouldn't categorize him as significant. He's not going to go back there and throw it 20 times. Yes, but he's a playmaker. But he is a playmaker, <laughs> and he can dial it up five to fifteen yards accurately. And he, he improvises really well. That's an improvisation, second reaction plays that are just eye popping. He's got that it quality on that. Yeah, I would say this too. 
Kansas State will not put the ball in his hands to try to win the game passing it mm-hmm. unless yep. they have to and Will Howard goes down. Yeah, Because that, that to them is a losing proposition. At this point, he's a young quarterback, man. Um, but I think he's interesting because he's not a strong kid, right? He's wiry strong. He's not a big kid, right? So uh, somebody's been mentioning Maurice Blackwell. When Avery Johnson's in, Maurice Blackwell uh, is going to be very important when Avery Johnson's in that game. Yep, go think about that package they had in that in the game versus BYU. Really cool package. Anthony Hill, Mo Blackwell, Jalen Ford. They got Tavondre Sweat on the line, Byron Murphy on the line, and Baron Sorrell. They blitzed a lot out of that package, too, because they ran it on third down. And you would see PK blitz out of it, bring all six of them. I think they show that in this game, in BYU game, to blitz. But versus K-State, I think you'd use those hybrids like Mo Blackwell and Anthony Hill to either be spy or a rush. You kind of put them both on the edge. One's going to spy, one's going to rush. And I think that's how, I think that's how they're going to use them. I love that's a. I haven't seen that a lot, but we haven't seen Mo Blackwell. So they might have been wanting to use it, you know, early in the season. But Mo Blackwell, maybe he hadn't been, you know, uh, you know, well versed in it because he has been injured and hadn't practiced a lot. So Mo Blackwell being added to the equation will help Texas a ton when it comes to defending those types of quarterbacks. So I- I'm with you. I know Jerry's a Mo Blackwell fan. I'm big on him too. Right, don't forget about Jet Bush as well because right, yeah. they're going to run the option. That uh, let's let's remember that one. Yeah, hey, uh, this one's from E Kim. Uh, Rod, you think they're going to play more man coverage? against yeah. K-State. Um, on the you outside, know, you know, don't you think they should? You yeah. should. The thing is, you want to have eyes on the QB, though. That's the problem. That's they, they can just run you deep and run you out of a play. And if you're yes. linebacker or false steps, you're dead in the water outside the okay. hatches. So you got to be – I, I think you do got to play man coverage because that's what you talked about by picking your poison, right? Because you can know you, you know you can man up on them and win because they're not dynamic. I think Oklahoma and U of H had better wide receiving talent. So that yes. may be like you talk about Brooks. He may be the guy you got to worry about, but you can roll coverage that way. What you really want to make sure is that you're winning the numbers advantage on the front because they want to run the football and they got a plus one in the running game with the quarterback that can really hurt you in the run game. So that's where you really want to win the numbers advantage. So you want to devote, you want to devote that extra man that you win by playing man coverage down to, to, to help in the run game. And that's why you want to play a lot of man, but you play a lot of man backs are usually to the, unless you play off man, Remember, we talked about this, guys. All right, we talked about if you're playing how Texas plays with that kind of outside leverage and so they can see the football and wonder why are they playing outside leverage when they should be more inside leverage. This may be the game you're preparing for because you play outside leverage so you can see the football and see what's happening and you can drop those linebackers back into those drag routes and those crossing routes but everybody can see Will Howard still playing man, but can see him based on your leverage. So I don't know how they're going to attack it. You probably need to have every available option open. Probably got to have some zone in there, some man. And then you, cause all these will be adjustments based on what K-State's doing. And you might have to have those adjustments ready to go. Remember you basically did a great one too. When they started bracketing uh, AD and started bracketing X-Men and Sark went, damn, we had a great game plan. So they did that. you got to have options as a defensive coordinator. You just, you're a problem solver, man. You better have a lot of potential solutions ready to go. <laughs> Got it. Hey, uh, this one is a, a follow-up to that, Rod. Did Texas run more man yesterday in the second half? I did noticed a tight more. man with blitzes that forced some yeah. bad throws from Slovis. They did. They blitzed. It. I know some blitzing on third down. I just brought that up. They were blitzing. As a matter of fact, guys, look at the turnovers, right? The turnovers they've had. So they've had five in the last uh, four, two games, right? Five yep. turn takeaways last game. Four of those have been off blitzes. 
Four of them have come when Texas blitzing. So I think PK is still at this point gambling a little bit. Texas, they got beat while they were blitzing in the U of H game, but it paid off when they got the Taft interception. Now Taft daddy's got two of those, but the Taft interception, uh, Jalen Ford came in and knocked the ball loose and dropped the ball loose. Uh, in this game, you also uh, remember Jade Barron is blitzing when he decides to stop and then get his hands up, tip the football right away. That'll be on the draft highlight film. That's a great play. That'll be on the draft yeah. highlight reel about situational awareness, about instincts as a football player. Jaday Barron's just, I mean, he's, he's kind of having an all-American season at this point, no question. But getting back to it, yeah, the blitz is paying off for Texas. And I think PK now understands I can't let my secondary sit back there and get eviscerated by a quarterback. If a quarterback gets hot, and you talked about that, Bobby, with Donovan Smith last week, that he's streaky. Sometimes a quarterback starts off cold and you can afford to, you know, kind of based on the feel of the game, play a different coverage. But when a quarterback gets hot, you better start to knock him off his rhythm. And the way to do that sometimes is just a pit after him. And Texas is doing that a lot more. But they like to do it now with, Blo- with Mo Blackwell, Anthony Hill, and Jalen Ford in the mix too. And I like that. With your two war daddies on the D-line, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, they're going to take, they're going to suck up a lot of blockers. And then you can win with those twists and stunts with those second level rushers. Hey, let me ask you this, Rod. You don't think Texas pulls off and, and does something like runs a true 4-3 like they did uh, against K-State, like they did against Alabama, do you? Okay, I got no problem with that. But do not take Jade Barron off the field because they did it again, Bobby. That's they the problem. Did it. They did it in this game too. BYU, they would take Jade Barron. And they're talking about even before he was hurt, I know he was dealing with injury. But they, when they ran just their 40 personnel, with their just, they would take Jade Barron off the field. I don't understand that. You, you now, I, I understand maybe there was an injury thing and they figured we want to limit his snaps because he just came. He had an injury in that game and then the game before we come up injury. So I get it. It could just be an injury thing. But if it's not, because it wasn't early in the season, Bobby, we talked about this. They were taking him off the field with uh, 40 personnel. I would just move him back to safety or move him over the corner. He'd be comfortable playing either, depending on the matchup, depending on who you're defending. Put him at safety, put him at corner. Do not take that guy off the field. <laughs> you saw what happened in U of H game when he was off the damn field. Or you almost lost the game. Don't do it. <laughs> I, I, the the uh, people are asking Avery Johnson was a midterm graduate uh, in the last year, so he came in had spring practice. Hey Jerry, I'm gonna stay with you here. Brad Chesney asked this question: uh, Shouldn't we insert Neto at left guard, Cole Hunter Hudson at center? And Malik Ogbo at tight end in Ooh. obvious short yardage I, situations. I mean, it gives away what you're doing, but I'm not against us substituting Neto in at left guard on the goal line. I, I, I would say this. The problem I would have with it is consistency. Um, you know, you, you're asking a guy go in, to go into that situation. What if all of a sudden he false starts? Yeah. Right. And what if there's a bad snap because there's yeah. a new center? Ogbo is a different story. Uh, yeah, no, I Ogbo say Ogbo is a different story. But the other two haven't played their positions as much. So I think that may be as big a reason why as anything else. I I feel like they've got to get – here's another piece. On the goal line, how do you not get Cam Williams in the game somehow? I mean, he is is the epitome of the term large human. Yeah. Um, And so, I mean, he actually could take up two people at times. Just from a (laughs) spacing perspective, Rod – no Not necessarily, you know what I mean? I'm waiting. Make your guy come out from wider. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see, Brad. I, I think you're asking a good question. The, the answer is more nuanced, I think, unfortunately. Um, hey, this question from Frank DeCluet. Uh, if Catalan, how does Catalan returning 
this to Texas help this week if he plays? Oh, if he, if, if he's play if he plays, um, he upsets me a lot of ways. First of all, go back and watch the beginning of the Oklahoma game, like the uh, the first three or four plays on defense when he's playing. He had every tackle, Rod. He did. He had the first three tackles, and the best thing about the um, him tackling is he can help you play the run from depth. My man Drew said it on the post game, and it was a brilliant point. There are a lot of offensive concepts you can deter just from your alignment, right? Just from your alignment, a quarterback will go, damn, he's aligned right there. All right, we're moving on to this road. We're going, we don't, we're going to this other concept because I don't like his alignment. Um, and you can do that when you have a safety that can align at depth, right, 10 to 12, and still play the run and still be a force in the run game because he can run the alley so efficiently at a very efficient angle. That is Jalen Catalan. When he's locked on a target and he understands the defense so well that when the gaps are canceled out because this defender is taking out this gap, this, this defender is responsible for this gap, and he knows, okay, the, the ball's going to pop, boom, in that C gap. All I got to do is meet it there. It's gonna, it, he trusts his teammates too, and he should because those guys are great on the front that the ball's going to pop exactly where he thinks it's going to pop, and he tracks it, and that's why we call, it, call him Ali Catalan. Because he runs the alley as good as any <laughs> safety that uh, Texas had in a long time, and that's a that to me that might be the strength of his game to play the run from death. Yes, that is a really I'm telling you, it's hard to do. Look at the Texas State; they can't do it really well. No, Texas, missed, uh, Texas I, let, me, let me tell you something. You, you know why they you want Cat, you know why you want Catalan back Saturday when Avery Johnson all six two one eighty five of him takes off around that corner and Jalen Catalan says. My body's already beat up, so here it comes one more time, baby. Like Herm Edwards said, I only got one play left, but you're good. But damn it, I do have one left. We're about to that point with Catalan. Um, and his one play might knock Avery Johnson out for the game. Yeah, Ali, hey, timeout. Ali Catalan, really, Rod? Hey, man. That, hey, that's the best you can do. Justin Wells helped me with that one. That was a Justin Wells Rod B collabo. <laughs> <laughs> It's 28 degrees in Northeast Texas. Hey, you're colder than Texas red zone offense. (laughs) I don't know about that. Two of five. I guess that's 40%. All right. uh, Any update, Jerry, on Manny Muhammad? He went out for a time. I thought he came back. You think everything's fine there? Uh, He came back in. It looked like just a, uh, it it looked like just a little stinger. Hey, man, he was playing with his fingers a little bit. Just looked like one of those little stingers. He came back into the game though. Got it. All right. Um, this is a good question, Jerry, that, that all of us need to think about, right? Are we, and this is from Roy Womack. I appreciate this question a lot, actually. Are we overly critical of Texas? Or are there other top 10 teams that have multiple scratch-your-head type moments? It is a good question. I think that this is a very fair question. It goes mm-hmm. back to what Drew Kelson was talking about. If you... you it's almost analysis by paralysis sometimes or paralysis by analysis. Excuse me. Both. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. My point being that we don't know, you know, we, we, we are, we're fans. And so we're trying to, to really try to, to understand what is going on and the why. And I think part of the why is, is how can they get better? Right. Mm-hmm. How can this team and, and part of college football is getting better, right? Because you're not your full self until you go play pro. Um, and so college football analysis, I think, can be overly critical at times. Mm-hmm. But I think it's the nature of the fandom being so fierce, as well as, look, they're still young. They do have things to learn. 
Uh, Rod, Jerry, what do y'all think about yeah. being too overly so, critical? I got a couple answers on that. Look, the first answer is we're just talking about it, but if you think it's this is any different than the Texas coach's office right now trying to figure out red zone, I don't, I don't know what to say. These guys coach. Uh, they coach to a perfection standard, right? That's what they do every single day. All right, we blocked this play good eight out of nine times. What did we miss on this ninth play? How do we block it better the ninth time? That's what those guys do. So we're just kind of following along uh, with it. Um, I mean, I think that's the first thing. Uh, And look, the second thing, I guess there's three things. The second thing, it's been a hell of a long time since now it's different with YouTube channels. It's been a hell of a lot of time since we could all get together and talk about Texas playing for something, so it does mean more. Mm-hmm. If Texas was three and four right now, I wouldn't give a hell if they're scoring in the red zone or not because they're still going to lose. Exactly. Hey, we have not made it. Jerry, you're not lying. We haven't made it to October where football was still truly meaningful outside of just the true fan yeah, in a long time. And, and here's the third, the third thing. Texas is a good football team this year. If this was the 2005 Texas team, we'd be getting together for high fives every Sunday and saying how they beat the ant out of everybody. That's not this team, though. So we're still seeing how does this team get to 11-1 and right now? What do they have to do to get to the Big 12 championship game? Uh, that's where we're at. I mean, if this was Vince Young and those dudes, we'd just be coming on here saying, man, they just kicked the ever-living hell out of somebody else, and I, I, they can't tackle Vince and – you know, uh, poor Brian Carter doesn't get any targets because they can't do anything with Jamal Charles. Or I mean, we'd be sitting there saying, "Can we get Brian Target one? Uh, Brian Carter one target because they're scoring seventy on everybody." So I think you put all that together. Uh, but I think for the fans in here, man, it's fun to have meaning again. But I agree with Drew; we have to enjoy it. Um, look, FSU almost lost to Boston College. Was it thirty-one twenty-nine on the road this year? We said it last year, Georgia almost lost to Missouri 26-22. I'm guessing the Georgia boards were kind of crazy that week, saying Missouri's terrible. How's this happening? (laughs) Are we not going to win the title this year? Rod, what about you? Overly critical? Um, Yes, of course we are. Yeah, that's (laughs) – I mean, uh, but I'm a a player, right? Um, I was hanging out with some other players, uh, Alex Okafor, Jeremy Hills, uh, some other guys talking to me about the team, and, you know – we, we're, we're critical, right? Because we're looking at it from as former players. As a former player, you're always looking for the perfect rep, all right? So every you, – you go back and watch film, and you go, man, that was, that was a great rep, but it wasn't a perfect rep. My hand placement was off. And look at my footwork on that one. Damn, my hips. I turned them the wrong way. You're literally – that's what you do every week. You go back and look at every rep and went, yeah, didn't have a perfect – and you search for the perfect rep. And when you have it, Coach – Praises you in the film when he goes, this is the perfect rap. This is my coach, Akina. That's what you do, guys. That's how you put it on film. That perfect rap, man. And you're looking for that. So as a player now, when I go back and look at it, I will admit I'm overly critical of everything with Texas because I'm always looking for that. I look at it like I'm watching film as a player back in the film room. Like I'm looking for that perfect rep every time. So I'll admit I'm way overly critical of it. Uh, But also, I as a player, the standard you know, well, it, the standard is the standard, right? We, even though the Texas program has, you know, been struggling and now they're finding their way again, bringing the pride and tradition back and where Texas is now a, a feared program, now feared and respected, right? Not mocked and humiliated uh, like they were in you know, some of the uh, previous years in the last 15 years. And that, I'm happy for these guys. But I always tell people this, don't let your expectation for Texas football or the product itself affect the standard the standard was set long time before me and when i got there 
hell, man, we won 11 games and didn't meet the standard. <laughs> like, it's okay for the standard to be high. It doesn't mean you had a bad season if you didn't meet the standard. But let's not start lowering the standard just because, man, these guys are having good seasons, man. It's a good – you can win 10 games. And Mac was doing it for years, and y'all were saying, man, Mac, he got to win the big game. We don't get him the hell out of here, man. If he don't beat Bob Stoops in Oklahoma, Mac needs to go. It's like, he's winning 10 games. We don't give a damn because the, the standard at Texas is the standard. All right, the standard is you play for championships, you beat Oklahoma, and then when they're back on the schedule, you beat AM. You beat those two teams and you play for championships. That's the standard, guys. So, you know, I, I understand we want to be, you know, compassionate to these young guys, and I'm happy for them. I'm bringing it back. I was part of a, a, a group of young men that wanted to bring Texas back, to bring it back to respectability, to, to bring the, the brand back to where it should be. And they're doing it. I'll give them a lot of credit and give Shark and the coach a lot of credit. But don't let your expectations affect the standard of what I bled for and what I sweat for. That's the standard. And when I was on the 40 acres, 11 wins wasn't enough if you ain't beat Oklahoma and you ain't played for a championship. So that's the standard. It is what it is. Yep. All right. It is what it is. You don't come here then if you don't want to meet the standard. Go somewhere else. We'll find some other guys that can play to that standard. But that's the standard. How do they meet all the time? Hell no. That's a really high standard. But that is the standard, guys. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I know. And people don't want to hear this because they're like, man, Robbie's really tough on them. Then I don't need to talk about it because I'm really, uh, yes, I'm overly critical to answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of energy and enthusiasm. <laughs> and yes, I am overly critical. Yeah, I'm uh, see right with a re really good comment here. I love these con conversations. It feels more like investigation than criticism. We want the best for our team. We hope Amen. you feel that way too. I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll just uh, put it that way. That's how we put it. Uh, Lane also put in a super chat. Uh, and ask this question, uh, is Avery Johnson uh, a situational player? And if so, what kinds of situations does he come in for? I'm going to take this one. He is a really, really good running quarterback, yeah. like bordering on tremendous running quarterback. Uh, he, lean, he gets good lean. He's a taller guy, but he's athletic, flexible. He has some acceleration to him that is really kind of special, I think, for the position. Um, that's if you're going to run option and want to run the ball most of the day because Texas can't defend the option, Avery Johnson is your guy. Yep. Uh, and he's not a horrible passer in the least. Uh, all right. Hey, I need to say thanks one last time to our sponsor. That's uh, the Cross Oak Group, each and every Sunday night live stream brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is, is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. Uh, to learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. We've got time for a couple of more questions here uh, about the Longhorns today. Uh, and going to try to, you know, really think about this. Uh, Jerry, you talk, you and I have talked about this. Okay. Did Sark, and this is from Derek. Oh yeah. What did Sark actually change with Malik's throwing motion that wind up as an issue with him being on time? Why wouldn't you fix that as well? I, my, I'm going to say this. You should have seen it before. Yes. So I call it dropping the ball below the water. So if you're standing, if you're in a pool and you're holding a football and you drop that ball, to where it's, it, it hits the water if the water's way, waist deep. I, I call it dropping the ball below the water. 
If you do that and you have a windup, you are two split seconds late getting the ball out of your hands. That's DJ Yungalele. Yes, and that's DJ's issue. It is always going to be DJ's issue, especially when you have long arms, too. So you're almost two and a half split seconds late getting the ball out from what your eyes are seeing. And if you play against athletes like Rod Babers, those go the other way, or maybe they should go the other way, or people make plays (laughs) on the ball. Okay? So they have tightened his release. But here's the thing. Here's the thing with quarterbacks that you always have to watch with, especially these young guys going through that that big transition as far as is is mechanically, is when they plunder duress, how much do they revert back to what they've always known, what they've always done? Because and that was his first game. Like we talked about, that was Malik's first game since the game he broke his foot or ankle his senior year in high school in the state championship game. That was the first time he got hit for real, guys. I mean, you know, he hadn't been hit since then. He hasn't really felt rush on him where he said, okay, I've got a green jersey. Okay, they're going to blow the whistle. Oh, this guy's actually going to crack me, right? I mean, that was the first time he played under that type of duress since his senior year in high school. That's a long time from his senior year in high school. So they have they have worked. He is more compact. Is he as compact as they would like it to be in two years? Probably not, but it's a process. You got to do it in a game. Now, I think Sark's got some really good coaching points with Malik this uh, this week. I think he played well. Uh, and I think I thought the RPO second touchdown was the best throw he made. That's the only place that ball could have been thrown where A.D. Mitchell could turn up and score with three converging defenders. Um, I think he played off his back foot way too much. So I think Sark's going to say, look at Malik and say, good first game, dude, great energy, love this ball, this ball, this ball, and this ball. These four we can't have against Kansas State. Now you have a little experience. You're going to be a little more comfortable. You can't play off your back foot that much and be successful long term the way we need at the level we need you to be, the level you want to be. I think it's a great week for Sark to have coaching points from a league. That was his first action in two years. Yep. Uh, live action. Yeah. Like truly, I can get hit action. Yeah. Uh, here's a question uh, from Juan. Uh, Texas hasn't lost uh, to K-State since Charlie Strong's 23-0 to uh, uh, game at in Manhattan. So you know K-State will be ready, having lost to Texas six straight years. There was a time, Rod B. and Jerry Hamilton, oh, yeah. where purple was kryptonite to Mac Brown. Um, mm-hmm. And it certainly wasn't looking good to Charlie Strong either. Uh, what yeah. are y'all's thoughts on on the, the whole K-State? I don't want to call it a rivalry, but it was the one team outside of Oklahoma that typically gave Texas some real issues during the Mac Brown heyday uh, years, right? You agree I with think- that, Rod B.? Yeah, I think um, yeah. Now the purple kryptonite has switched over to TCU for the most part, right? Just yeah, that's true. A bit. Um, but no, I think you're right. I think you know culturally, some programs just match up well with other programs. Remember this about Texas and Nebraska back in the day when Matt got here, like how Texas would beat Nebraska no matter how good they were and how bad Texas was. A weird little scenario there. Texas had this weird weird thing there. I think culturally. K-State, blue-collar mentality, which has been the case with you know, the last three regimes there, right? That's just kind of ingrained in the culture there, that blue-collar mentality. Yes. Uh, they, they're island of misfit toys, right? <laughs> thrown, thrown together from JUCOs and different places. Uh, the guys you don't want, like Deuce Vaughn, come on up here to K-State. We'll take the smaller players, that kind of thing. And great coaching. 
um, and really good about fundamentals, right? Uh, fundamentals and technique. That's what they went on. They don't beat themselves. So it's a certain culture. There's a certain character of K-State. Like some guys, you're just like, that's a K-State football player right there. Mm-hmm. Guy, the guy just bleeds. K just seems like a K-State football player. Uh, just it, the embodiment of it. And I think that matches up well with, unfortunately, has been some of the, the bad traits about Texas's football culture and character, which has been entitlement at times. And, you know, the the five, remember Iowa State, the five-star player with the five-star culture, that kind of thing. I just think it has matched up well, unfortunately, against Texas when right. Texas hasn't been uh, hard-nosed, when they haven't been physical, when they haven't had that uh, physical mental toughness as a team, when they have had it. Hell, I went up to K-State, and we won one of them games in 2002 on the road. And by the way, barely pulled it off, all right? Because it's K-State's K-State. No matter what year you're talking about, it's going to be hard to beat them up there. And we pulled out a good win because we were a tough, hard-nosed football team. And I think Texas Lately, say what you want about Tom Herman. Say what you want about him. I'm not trying to get into a Tom Herman love fest here or a Tom Herman hate fest either way. But his teams were physical and hard nose, right? You can say what you want about them. They were they were a physical team. Now, sometimes it was the mints and meathead teams, but they were a physical brand of football. They liked to play physical football, and that actually matched up well with K-State. K-State, because K-State physical, K-State was physical. And I think Sark, Sark prides himself on physicality, being physical, running the football, especially when he had Bijan and Rojo. And I think that has matched up well with K-State the last couple of years. And I think that's why. That's just my theory, throwing it out there. I got to say this. Uh, I agree 100% with it, by the way. Yeah, Rod's Rod's on fire. Ali Catalan and then Mensa Meathead. Mensa Meathead. Uh, <laughs> let's, have, let's have another laugh before we get going here, guys. Uh, Zane Petty asked, did anyone see Jets, Jet Bush's dancing moves in the postgame video? I believe this was yeah. Jeray Bledsoe as well. Matt Hutchison, our uh, esteemed producer, has brought this up for oh, us. So give everybody a look real quick. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I mean, oh. guys, how flexible is Jeray Bledsoe, by the way? That's a great point. <laughs> That's, That's a great ninety pounds. I mean, we're not going to say the same thing about Jet Bush, but I mean, no. that would break both my knees. Exactly. My, I would get surgery the next day, bro. That's a great point, Jay. If I was a scout looking, I'm like, dude, his hips and yeah. his, and he got some. <laughs> lower, lower, he's two hundred and By the way, I heard Bledsoe last week's up between two eighty five and two ninety. Now, finally, putting on that weight. Damn, and he can move like that. I <laughs> love it. Wow. All right, guys, that's, that's gonna, gonna do it for tonight's live stream. The Sunday night live stream brought to you by the folks at Crossout Group. We appreciate them. We also appreciate all the super chats and everybody joining in the chat. Uh, Jerry and I will be back with Blake Monroe in the morning for coffee and football. Please like and subscribe for more of the best Longhorn coverage. Uh, you'll get a notification if you subscribe to the channel. Also, please take a look. Show that video to the tackles at case. Tell them they will have to block that guy. Uh, let's uh, that that about do it for tonight. Uh, anyways, please uh, check us out also on InsideTexas.com. Uh, remember, right now we have a special use promo code OTFIT23. That's OTFIT23. Uh, you have to select the monthly offer. You get two months for just one dollar. All right, for Rod B, Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been the Sunday Night Live Stream brought to you by the folks at the Crossroad Group. Hook them. Hook them.